With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. Once again, the Conference USA edition of the program. I am Joe Londrigan, a Western Kentucky blogger over at UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's premier G5 community and the premier G5 community for uh, the entire internet as well. Hard to believe we only have five more weeks of the season left, but uh, luckily the former Old Dominion kicker punter Satchel Ziffer here to help me grieve. Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. And uh, this is take two of this podcast. Uh, had a little bit of a technical issue, so we, we are retreading on stuff we've already talked about, but uh, luckily I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew and ready to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm insightful today, Joe. Very insightful. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's it's all good. Um, so we'll just go ahead and jump into the week that was for week seven. Uh, Western Kentucky hosted Charlotte. They got a 45-14 to victory over the 49ers. Mike White tied his career high of five passing TDs in a game. Also added a rushing score to his tally. Program record, 15 different receivers caught a pass for the Hilltoppers in this one. Um, also have to give credit to the topper defense. Mr. Juwan Gardner had a pick. He's playing really well this year. Overall, Western looked a lot better, and as a topper fan, you have to be excited about it. You want to be excited about it, but at the same time, you have to take it with a particularly large grain of salt because it, it's a pretty inferior opponent in the 0-7 Charlotte 49ers. Yeah, when I was doing the article today, I found out that Charlotte is last or second to last in every category. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know they they strive they strive for uh, marginality, and you know they they reach lower than it. Yeah, it's it's been a rough year. If you are a 49er fan, that losing streak for Charlotte is now at 10 games, which is the longest active losing streak in FBS. Um, we really thought. Last week, if Charlotte was going to have any kind of chance in this one, Hassan Clue was going to have to get the running game going, but he ended up not playing for the 49ers. Apparently came down with an undisclosed illness late in the week. And really, you talk about a bad year get even worse. Charlotte linebacker Carrington King, program leader in tackles, dislocated his knee in that one. So his season and most likely his football career are over. Yeah, it was kind of rough to hear about that. You never want to hear about that with a player. You never, you never know when it's going to be your last play out there. So you always try and, you know, take every rep for granted or not take every rep for granted per se, but it's unfortunate for the team. It's unfortunate for the young man. Um, all thoughts and prayers out to him and his family. Absolutely. Moving on to, well, I was going to say a happy note, but that's not really the case for Satchel here. Marshall 35, Old Dominion 3 is uh, the next result we got to talk about. Uh, another big day for Marshall QB Chase Litton, I should say. 12 of 23 for 176 yards, uh, three touchdowns in that one. 
Also, a positive note for Marshall, had the longest punt in FBS history since 1972 when Ray Guy himself had a 93-yarder. Essentially, remind me how to say his name, Kair Vedvik? Kari. Kari Vedvik, 92-yard punt in that one. Um, if you caught any of the video, Satchel, as a punter yourself, how would you break down what happened on that play? Well, basically, uh, what a lot of kickers and punters are doing nowadays in the league, in, in college football is, uh, it's called a rugby punt, and you've probably seen it, you know what it is. Uh, you roll out right, or you left, depending on what foot you use, and you hit kind of like a low line drive type punt. Sometimes you want to hit a higher one, sometimes you want to hit a lower one, but what it does is it gives you that extra momentum on the ball. Uh, allows you to, you know, really hit that baby. And, um, just, it's, I don't know exactly what it is, but you can hit the sweet spot a lot easier on that. And it allows for the ball to, you know, it allows A for your coverage unit to get further downfield because it takes longer to get the ball off the OP time, which is operational time. But it also, um, it's hard for the returner to catch because sometimes it's wobbly. Sometimes it's just a end over end kick. And if you get an end over end, your chances of it just keep rolling is great and it happened for Kari it went over our returner's head our returner had the chance to catch it decided not to and I understand kind of why he decided not to just because of the fact that you know they were already almost at him and it was kind of like a weird pun it was going to be hard for him to fair catch it so he just kind of let it drop hoped that it was going to take a like a fair bounce for ODU uh did not at first but ended up rolling into the back of the end zone which you know changed it from a 92 yard net punt to a uh, 72 yard net punt, but nothing to complain about there for Kari. Still boosted his average. Absolutely. That is the seventh longest punt in the history of FBS football, actually. So definitely an impressive feat for the Marshall Special Teams unit uh, to go along with the just fantastic day the offense and the defense had against uh, your Monarchs. So what were your takeaways from your former team's performance in that one? Kind of just what I've been going off this whole year. Um, it's just unfortunate. I mean, Obviously, injuries are an excuse for part of it, but at the end of the day, we have most of our guys back that we were expected to get back now. Ray Lowry played in the game. He played well in the first half. We actually controlled the ball really well in the first half. We were only down by, I think, seven in the first half, or maybe it was maybe it was ten. Not 100% sure. But we controlled the ball. We had the clock. We had the ball way longer than Marshall in that game, and we had the chance to score. We gave up a red zone interception, and it kind of it's it might have been a fumble i'm not really 100 i'm tired today guys sorry get over it um no but you know we had chances we had opportunities to go into half kind of in this game still and we still were in this game and we controlled the clock and we probably played to our game plan very well in that first half i, I can't imagine coach Wilder being upset going into half there you know marshall's just a good team i mean our d-line couldn't do anything that's just how it's been for Marshall this whole year they've only given up three sacks I believe on the season and that's pretty fantastic and that O-line is just head over heels better than everyone else in the league you know they just won every kind of they won the field position battle obviously with the 92 yard punt Kari had a great day 48 yard average on the day um, and we just couldn't get our offense rolling like we really wanted to. On defense, I think the biggest thing concern for me, and it's been a concern since I started with the program before I was even there, is our defense somehow is able to, you know, do well on first and second down, hold them to short gains. But on third down, we just shut down. I don't know if it's our play calling, if it's just the players kind of playing, you know, trying to play, you know, a little back to make sure that they don't give up the first down, but they are. In our four losses, we're giving up almost 60% on third down conversion. That's the efficiency, and that's just awful. You, you can't do that in a game and expect to win, especially with a young quarterback that's going to make mistakes. 
there is some bright sides, but at the end of the day, they need to address these problems internally before anything can get better. ODU needing to correct those problems quickly and effectively if they want to clear up their chances of making a bowl game. They are running out of time on this season, unfortunately. Moving on to the next result, UAB 25, Middle Tennessee 23. Um, really fantastic game here. UAB took a two-point lead with about three minutes to play in this one. Middle's offense unable to get back on top before the end of the game. Another great day for UAB's rushing attack, 260 yards total, 167 and a TD for Spencer Brown. And, you know, a pretty good day for Middle's offense as well. Just had one too many mistakes. Two picks for John Rizua in this one. Ten penalties for the Blue Raiders. And that was really the difference. Yeah, it was a great game. I mean, I'm on the UAB bandwagon now, I think. I, yeah. I, I like the team. I liked I play I kicked and, you know, was friends with two of their former kicker and punter. Uh, I, I've always liked that team, and I'm just glad to see what they're doing now, you know, after, you know, the Alabama education system was trying to do like that whole board of trustees just being completely, fr- like, fraudulent. And it, it, it was sad sure. to see that team go. It's even better to see them come back and have success in their first season back. Spencer Brown, fantastic running back, 167 yards, like you said. And UAB just, you know, they kind of just churn out wins. It's it's not like they're just destroying people. They're not They're not like an Alabama who's just going to, be able to beat every team by 50 week in and week out. They have to win the games close. They're keeping themselves in games, having just the better luck at the end of the game zone. They won the turnover battle this week, and I think going forward, that's how they're going to continue to win games. They haven't lost a turnover battle this season. They've had more turnovers than they've given up. So I think going forward, that is their key to success, just limiting their mistakes and like just playing out their game plan as to the best of their ability. Absolutely, I agree with that one. Um, UAB now still undefeated at home, moving up to four and two and two and one in league play. Um, still have a shot to take that division and just two more victories, and they're bowl eligible in their first season back in FBS. Uh, game of the week this week was really the battle in the Lone Star State. North Texas twenty nine, UTSA twenty six was the final. Just absolutely lived up to the hype. Uh, Mason Fine throws a 22-yarder to Rico Busey with 10 seconds left. I have no idea how he made that throw. Pressure was just bearing down on him, had a defender right in his face, but somehow made the completion, and Busey took it into the end zone. Contrary to what we thought would happen, though, UNC's run game was kept pretty much in check throughout the whole day. Um, this was really Mason Fine's time to shine. He was 20 of 34 with 354 yards, three TDs, only through one interception. And the UTSA offense just really didn't execute in the second half, and that's more or less why they lost. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of things first. We alluded to this yesterday, and I thought you were going to fix your mistake, but you did not. Uh-oh. Joe, Joe, Joe. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Rico Busey is his father. This is Rico Busey Jr. <laughs> Come on, man. We're, we're, right. We got to be very PC about this, bro. No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, Mason Fine, you know, just a fantastic quarterback. Reminds me a lot of Junior Floyd from the, the Giants back in the day, uh, back in like the late 90s, early. No, no, it was late 90s, mid-90s probably. Um, great quarterback. You know, Fine just, he's probably the best QB in, the, in CUSA right now. He, uh, the one thing I would say that he needs to get better at is limiting his turnovers or this game he lost two fumbles or he didn't lose them, but he fumbled twice. They luckily got the ball back. But that was kind of UTSA's chance to get back in this game and, you know, really control this game. That Those two, that could have been theirs. And then 
Also, the field goal at the end of the half missed by Jared Sackett, that was a 46-yarder. You, you can't really, you know, put words on how much momentum that probably took away from them. I mean, going into halftime with losing by one point instead of being up by two points, that's a that's a big, you know, momentum loss for the team. They could have came out at half just like, and and just followed that momentum, but unfortunately, it didn't happen for them. And I think that was kind of the the start of the end for them. Right, and you got to give credit to how UTSA's defense really performed. Had a fumble return for a touchdown, like I, th- I think you mentioned that. Um, but the Roadrunners still the number one defense in Conference USA statistically. So hopefully that offense just cleans up the mistakes a little bit, and they can get it going in the next one because they still have plenty of room to go or they still need three more wins to become bowl eligible and um, still kind of in the hunt for the conference championship but we'll we'll see because they need to get a little bit better next one usm 24 utep zero uh usm almost triple the yardage production that utep had in this one believe it or not this was the first shutout that uh utep has experienced this year they didn't even get shut out against oklahoma which is kind of surprising um, running back Ito Smith, the Golden Eagles, 120 yards with two TDs. He is second in the league in yards per game, third in total TDs, or I'm sorry, third in total yards and third in TDs this year. Good year gets better for the Golden Eagles. Bad year gets worse for the Miners. Yeah, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, and I just want to bring this up, guys. If USM shut out UTEP, who Oklahoma couldn't, technically then by the transitive property, USM is better than Oklahoma. So basically, USM should be in the playoffs. Let's go <laughs> Golden Eagles. Yep. <laughs> um, if we, if yeah, no, board, I just you, wanted to play the like, burr, 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 after you say like USM can beat Oklahoma. Ito <laughs> 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 Smith, uh, yeah, fantastic running back. He continues to just impress me. 120 yards, two touchdowns, like you said. UTEP just god-awful as always they only had six first downs i'm pretty sure that now nah, actually i was going to say i could probably get six first downs in a game but never mind i am not athletic i kick a ball i, I kicked a ball so never mind about that but still six first downs in a game that's just ridiculous i don't i don't know what's happening there i don't know if just morale is just completely shot for them because last week was probably their best chance of you know they, they played their best game last week and nothing happened for them so sorry utep oh and 12 Go Miners. The narrative continues. Out of curiosity, as a kicker or a punter, did you ever have to – did you have any carries in your college career on a fake or broken plays or anything like that? No. No. Uh, It's actually funny. In JUCO, I I was just the kicker. Our punter ended up going to Arkansas, and now he's with the Cowboys. Mm. Um, And he's an Australian, and he's just athletic. I mean, he had a 60-yard – fake punt against Texas A&M for a touchdown. You can watch that. His name's Sam Irwin Hill. But, um, yeah, in general, he, um, I never had one. I always asked for one at, uh, ODU and Coach Ziskowski, who's now with UConn. He, he'd always just tell me, no, you're not athletic. Go back to try and kick. <laughs> Go practice kicking. And it was just always funny because I always just begged him just for one play where I even got to do anything. And like, even on like the fakes that we would run, they were so badly put together just because they didn't want me in it. <laughs> like they would put me out <laughs> and just let me stand there. It was really embarrassing, actually, because I'm not I'm not that bad of an athlete. I'm not the I'm not good at all. I, I know I'm like a tall, white, lengthy kid that has no type of athletic ability past kicking a football, but I can still at least run a ball like four yards for first down, maybe. <laughs> Jeez, uh, yeah. Did you ever get clocked in, like, your 40 time or anything? 
Uh, at BC, I did, and I do not want to talk about it. <laughs> it was like five oh four, and I was expecting like four eight five or something. Ooh. <laughs> it, yeah. Dude, it 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 it. You don't realize how fast it is until you actually run it, and like you have no clue. Like I'm not even kidding you. Like you run that, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm sure I would do worse. I guarantee you. On that note, we'll move on to the last game from Week 7. FIU 23, Tulane 10. Uh, this was a little bit of a surprising result. Um, FIU never even actually trailed in this game. FIU defense held Tulane to just 2 of 11 on third down and only 36 yards through the air. FIU got penalized 11 times for 105 yards, so that makes it all the more surprising that they were able to um, win this game in as convincing a fashion as they were. Tulane's not a great team, but they did put up 60 points in the game before this. So, I mean, credit to Butch Davis. He's he's doing something right down there with the Panthers. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. I'm going to kind of allude to it here. Sure. We didn't. Ex- we knew these FIU te- these Florida like Miami teams were going to be better, but we didn't think they were going to be good. And both of them are actually very good, and they're both going to be competing for cha- conference championships these next few years. Well, maybe not FAU because he's going to be taken. Lane Kiffin's going to be taken right away. Yeah. So, and I said this. Yesterday also, but Lane Kevin probably going to be gone after this year. I believe that. But how funny would it be if he went back to Tennessee? It won't happen, but it'll, it would be hilarious. It'd be a funny story, Mark. Absolutely. Sorry. That's a, that's a movie reference no one's going to get. <laughs> no worries. Week 8 previews. Let's go ahead and jump right into them. Western Kentucky versus Old Dominion. We actually have an article coming out about this later today. It is Satchel and I's first joint article on underdogdynasty.com. But... uh, Special moment. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy we've hit that milestone in our relationship already. But... um, (laughs) uh, And, wait, everyone, uh Joe looked me me up on LinkedIn and officially connected with me. So we are now LinkedIn official friends. Connections. It's not official until it's LinkedIn official. Correct. like every relationship. Um, but with Old Dominion's defense here, they lead the league in sacks with 20. So this is going to be the true test of whether or not Western Kentucky's offensive line has improved. Um, that's been a big point of emphasis ever since the season began. As of now, WKU still has the worst pass protection in the league uh, statistically. Early in the year, I really thought this would be a loss for Western, but after seeing how Old Dominion has struggled on the offensive side of things and how Western's defense has really stepped up, I think WKU might have this one in the bag. Unlike 2014 where it was 61 to 55, this or 66 to 55, or something like that, it was a crazy score. Um, this game will not be... High scoring, I don't think. I think ODU is going to come out with a sense of urgency. We've never been in a situation where we are not bowl eligible before the final buzzer of the scoreboard hits. I mean, our one season of non-bowl eligibility, we lost the final game of the season against a crappy FAU team that shouldn't have won that game. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm still a little hurt by that. No um so they're going to be playing with some urgency this game. Defenses are both obviously our strong point, which is kind of interesting because they've never been either of our strong points. They right? throw yeah. our offenses, kind of carrying our teams. So it's going to be interesting. I think our the one way ODU could win this game is if our defensive line steps up big and kind of has a game that they need to have, which is, you know, they need to disrupt Mike White. They need to make it hard for him to, you know, go through his progression because if like that's when he struggled this year and that's when 
Western Kentucky has struggled as a team is when he's not able to take his time and, you know, make the right passes. And we need to be able to step up on third down. I mean, if we don't step up, then there's no way we win this game. I agree with you. The thing with Western also that I think Old Dominion can really take advantage of has been their red zone execution. If Even if Old Dominion can kind of give up a few big plays here and there against the passing attack that has gotten a little bit better in the last few weeks, um, they're still not too great when they get inside the 20. They had the blessing of a few long plays last week on a couple long balls from White where he's he's gotten a little bit better as the season's progressed in that area. But uh, the running attack still is a little rough, so hopefully Western can tie up those mistakes. There will be a lot of... There will be a lot of throwing on your side of the ball and a lot of running on our side of the ball. Probably. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, you can catch that one on uh, CBS Sports Network. Yes. Yep, 6 p.m. local time in Norfolk, Virginia there. Uh, looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to who can trash talk the other one on next week's podcast, but we'll see. Well, you know, have you you never heard this. Uh, you know what Norfolk sports team's uh, chant is, like our rally chant is, right? No. Enlighten me. Never heard it? No. We don't drink. We don't smoke. Norfolk. Norfolk. Wow. <laughs> we don't drink. We don't smoke. Norfolk. Norfolk. That, I, I don't know what my response is supposed to be to that. That's you know, really do you not get it? You, we don't have to put this in, but do you, do you get it? No. We, Nor, Norfolk, you're, you're saying it wrong. It's Norfolk. Oh. It's supposed to be said Norfolk. So you okay. said, we don't drink. We don't smoke. Norfolk. Norfolk. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm going to keep that in now to show what a sheltered child I am. So, <laughs> Next Friday game, uh, Marshall at Middle Tennessee, 6 p.m. local time on ESPN2 in Murfreesboro. Uh, I'd never get over how you pronounce the name of that city. It's like you have peanut butter in your mouth or something. Um, Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro. Uh, Two pretty evenly matched teams in some regards, but Marshall is slightly favored, and that's justified. The pass game is really clicking for Marshall. Their offensive line is playing like the best in the league, which they are. John Arzua is just struggling a little bit, um, and the Raiders do not get Brent Stockskill back this week. He's still recovering from a collarbone injury, so for that reason, I, I like Marshall's chances here. They're just they're really clicking at the right time. Yeah, there's no way. I, I don't see Middle Tennessee winning this game. I mean, they lost last week. They they're they're just playing not good football right now and Marshall's probably playing the best football when it comes to just overall their defense is stepping up big their offense is just they're not like overly powerful but they're just gonna be better than you and that's just how it's gonna be most likely I hate my life (laughs) (laughs) it's a cry for help because guess what I hate Marshall more than any team in Conference USA why I, I I oh my god so we when we went down there to play them first off their fans were just mean. They were mean people. They 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 literally are the only team fans of a team that just singled me out. I was the only person they made fun of that whole game, and they just went after me, man. Like <laughs> they called me shanky leg. They called me everything, and I had a bad game. So it was like I had one good punt, which was like a forty yard, like down at the one. But other than that, they were just mean to me. I hate you, Marshall. <laughs> North Texas fans are going to be a little sad to know that there's a team in Conference USA that you hate more than them. Um, no, no, I still hate North Texas. You still hate don't, North Texas. Don't give me <laughs> I just, I, I just, I have less to hate about you because I don't have as much content because we never played you. That's so. fair. Uh, moving on to the 
ironically, North Texas at Florida Atlantic. That's going to be at 5 p.m. local time on ESPN3 in Boca Raton there. This is going to be exciting because it's Jeffrey Wilson versus Devin Singletary, arguably the two best running backs in Conference USA. FAU's defense isn't great against the run, so if UNC can get that going again, it'll definitely improve their chances to beat Lane Kiffin and the Owls. Although Mason Fine had a big day last week for the Mean Green, but FAU has one of the best pass defenses in uh, Conference USA, so I don't quite know what to make of this one. They have 10 interceptions on season. That's almost the best in the country. Mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Mason Fine's going to have to make sure that he does not throw any balls in a tightly peculiar spot. He needs to be very, very, like, conservative with the ball and his choices and you know if he has to just keep throwing down to his check down do it i mean that's the only way i think they can stay in this game because fau's not going to beat you by just oh pure overall talent on offensive outside they're going to beat you with where they start drives at because of the fact that they are able to get these turnovers yeah yeah so hopefully fau's defense they can uh show what they've been able to do all year and hold mason fine to not having a similar day like he did last week. Um, but more than anything, I'm just excited for that uh, running back battle on Jeffrey Wilson versus Devin Singletary, and it's it's going to be, yeah. hopefully it'll be a, a fun ground-and-pound game. FAU by 10 is Satchel's prediction there. With FAU, I think they take this one. They're playing at home. Uh, it's a tough place to play in Boca Raton. And just that Lane Kiffin offense is just playing out of their minds lately. If I didn't say so already, 5 p.m. on ESPN3 in Boca there. UAB hitting the road to play Charlotte at 6.30 East Coast time at McCall Richardson Field. Not too much to talk about here. UAB's ground game is going to blow right through Charlotte, I think, especially now that they lost their best defensive player. They're going to get their first road win of the year. UAB is, I think. Go Blazers! I have to say, they're going to win. <laughs> yeah, you know, just with Charlotte... Bad years getting worse. They're losing key players. We're going to see them go winless, I, I think. So, sorry. Next one, Southern Miss at Louisiana Tech. 6 p.m. local time, Ruston, Louisiana. Battle in Dixieland. Uh, this is another one where there's two teams with pretty even totals across the board. Part of me really feels good about USM's chances, but Louisiana Tech isn't home. They're really tough to beat on their home field. They're well-rested, coming off a bye. So they have that working in their favor. But if Louisiana Tech's going to win this game, they have to keep in mind, USM has the number one rushing defense in the league right now. So this is really going to be all on Jamar Smith's shoulders, more or less. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. And, I mean, Louisiana Tech does have that whole bye week in, in their favor. But at the same time, bye weeks haven't been too kind to teams this year in CUSA. I mean, I don't know the actual statistic, but I know two teams have lost after their bye week. So... We'll see. I mean, I don't know if teams are getting complacent during their bye week training. I mean, I know what we did during our weeks off. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this game plays out. I still think Southern Miss is a better team. I think they're a more complete team. They're just continuing to get better as the season goes on. Louisiana Tech kind of like I don't know if it's that you know after that South Carolina game they kind of just seemed a little more lackadaisical. Um, I mean that is kind of like that kind of hurts when you lose a game like that but at the same time they need to play their best game this week to win this game it'll be it'll be an interesting game offensively it's going to be a strong offensive showing i think louisiana tech is going to find some holes they're going to keep it close i still think usm is going to end up pulling this one out you have a score prediction for that one seven million to twelve no um 38 31 
All right. Yeah, I'm going to take Southern Miss as well. Um, I think Louisiana Tech, they're not a bad team, but I, I think that offensive attack of the Golden Eagles is going to be a little too much. And I don't think Jamar Smith is going to have a bad day, but I think he's just going to come up a little short. I think once he gets more games under his belt and he has this first season as the definitive starter out of the way, I, I think we're going to see him grow into a, a pretty good quarterback in the G5 ranks. So we'll see. Rice at UTSA, last game on the docket for this coming week. Uh, UTSA trying to stop a losing streak that is now at two games, which they most likely will. Uh, despite those losses, UTSA still number one in total defense in Conference USA. Uh, Rice, not much going on either side of the ball right now, so the smart money is on UTSA by three scores. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm going to go. I think I just don't think Rice has the ability to stick with this team, and I think UTSA is a good team. They're off two losses, which, you know, that hurts. You started the season thinking, hey, there's a chance we could win this whole conference, and now you're kind of, like, you're kind of trailing, and you need to do everything impossible to even give yourself a chance. UTSA, 24 Rice, three. Do you think Rice wins another game this year? No. Fair enough. That one at uh, 6 p.m. local time at the Alamo Dome in good old San Antonio. I, you know, I'll be curious to see how they rebound here. I, I think they're going to win, but, you know, there's always just a chance they'll have a game like Western had against UTEP the other day where they come out flat and just get a little overconfident. So, But they also have the benefit of – it sounds weird to say benefit, but the benefit of coming off of a loss – or a bad game anyway, or a tough game rather, where they're just playing angry. So never underestimate a team playing angry. That uh, is true. For this next section, we wanted to talk about the bowl projections for Conference USA. It's been a kind of a weird year. We have a lot of teams on the verge of making bowl games. Uh, there's a lot of parity going on. Both division races are more or less wide open. Um, so I wanted to talk about what teams from the league – are going to make bowl games and what teams are not. Uh, keep in mind, UTEP and Charlotte already mathematically eliminated after 0-7 starts. So, Satchel, what teams do you think are going to make bowl games in Conference USA? i uh, start with the East. We got Marshall, got Florida Atlantic, we got Florida International, got Western Kentucky. You have the two toss-ups in ODU and Middle Tennessee. I think I said yesterday I don't think Middle Tennessee is going to make a game. It's really going to come down to them playing ODU that last week of the season. I mean... They are three and four right now. They play Marshall this week. Then they have two gimmies in UTEP and Charlotte. Then they play the Hilltops uh, and then ODU. So that'll be an interesting, you know, season for them chasing bowl eligibility. Old Dominion, on the other hand, uh, it's going to be a tougher. You know, we're going to have to kind of do the same thing. We have Charlotte and then Rice, which you know you got to assume you're going to win both of those games. Hopefully, <laughs> I have no yeah. clue anymore. But you know, we have West, we have Western this week, which I think is going to be a closer game than most people think. Uh, then North Texas, that will be an interesting game because of, depending on how this game for them this week goes. And then we have FIU who's just playing better and better each week, so that'd be interesting. So it really could come down to Middle Tennessee and ODU, final week of the season, one team makes a bowl game. Fair enough. Uh, oh yeah, and then we have the West. Yeah, okay. yeah of course. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me look at them. Alright, then West, North Texas obviously making it. Southern Miss making it. UAB making it. Uh, Louisiana Tech will be interesting for them. Rice obviously not making a bowl game this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, UTSA, you know, you, you think they should. It should be, it's, it's, they should because they have Rice and UTEP, which will put them at five wins, and then they just have to win one of their last three, which UAB and Marshall are going to be hard, but, and then Louisiana Tech, so that's going to be a toss up for them. 
depends on how they react these these next two weeks. And then they have FIU, UAB, Marshall, Louisiana Tech to win one more. I assume they're going to win at least one of those. I would probably put my money on the FIU game. We'll see about that. And Louisiana Tech would be the last team in the West, which they should be able to. I mean, they're 3-3 three and three right now. They need three wins out of their last six. You have Rice, so that's one. UTEP, that's two. So that might actually come down to the final week of the season, too, UTSA. Right now it's looking like eight teams, possibly 11, or 10. Interesting. You you think 10 teams from Conference USA will make bowl games? I think so. Okay. I mean, it's a generous estimate, for sure, but uh, let's let's see. Well, what, okay, let's go nine. 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 Okay. I just did the math wrong, because I, I forgot about Minotessi and Old Dominion probably having come down to the wire. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's crazy how many teams are like right there this year. I'll go ahead and start with yeah, I'll start with the West. North Texas, I think, is the first team that's gonna be bowl eligible. They already have four wins. I think they beat Old Dominion. I think they beat uh UTEP, obviously. Um I think they'll probably beat Louisiana Tech as well. I don't know about Army. Army's pretty tough and they'll beat Rice, so I you know, I think they win enough games to make a bowl game. Southern Miss, kind of the same thing. Uh, UAB, I think they make a bowl game, only need two more wins, and they're going to get one this week against Charlotte. Um, and then UTSA was kind of the tougher one, but they have Rice this week. There's one. They need three more wins. So Rice is going to be the first one. I think they're going to beat UTEP. I don't hmm, – I think they probably beat FIU. I'm going to say they probably beat FIU, and uh, then that'll be enough to get them into the bowl game. And I think they lose to Marshall, and uh, they're at Louisiana Tech on that last one, so I think that one's going to be kind of tough. I think it's going to be more important for Louisiana Tech as far as the results and getting bowl eligible. So, yeah, my team's out of the West. U, uh, North Texas, Southern Miss, UAB, UTSA, all going to be bowl eligible, I think. And then in the East, Marshall is one one away. They're definitely making it. Florida Atlantic, I think, has shown too much promise to not get in. I think they can definitely win three more games. I think FIU makes a bowl game. And here are the wins since they're already 4-2. and two, I think they beat Old Dominion. In three weeks. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. Um, I think they beat Old Dominion in three weeks. I think they lose their next two games in FIU and Western. But since they have the rescheduled game against UMass on December 2nd, I think that's going to be the difference maker. And I think that win gets them into a bowl game with six wins. And then, yeah, yeah, so good for FIU. Good for Butch Davis. (laughs) Um, And uh, Western Kentucky, I think they make a bowl game. They are two wins away. And I think they're gonna scrape those out in some way or another. Yeah, I don't I don't think Louisiana Tech gets three more wins, but I mean crazier things have happened, so we'll see. And then yeah, with Western, looking at their remaining schedule, here's here are the wins I think happened for them. I think they beat Old Dominion this week. I don't think they beat Florida Atlantic. I don't think they beat Vanderbilt. I don't think they beat Marshall. I think they beat Middle Tennessee, especially since they're playing at home. And I think they can beat FIU if their defense is still playing at the level they're at now. When mm-hmm. November twenty fourth comes around, then I think that's a win. Let me let me uh, back myself. Old Dominion needs four wins. I'm sorry, I how bad we are. No um, so and I said this last night or yesterday when we recorded. I think they will get those three wins. I think they could get. Uh, it'll come down to MTSU still because I think Old Dominion has this weird factor about them that they kind of win a game that they never win each year. We did it in twenty fourteen against Louisiana Tech. The last year. 
I don't remember who. Someone. Uh, probably like six of those games, actually. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so it'll be interesting. It, it'll come down, I think, if we can beat FIU somehow. Uh, a lot is contingent on how the rest of the Panthers' season goes for multiple teams in Conference USA, which, <laughs> you know, if you had told me before the season that Florida International would be the real X Factor, probably wouldn't have believed you, despite having <laughs> Bush Davis in there. But, hey, uh, it, it's been a weird year. So hopefully we see at least eight teams from Conference USA make bowl games. That's my prediction. Satchel a little more confident with nine. So I, it'll, it's going to be a fun bowl season if you are a Conference USA fan. With that, we will move on to our final segment, Satchel's Question of the Week. What do you got for us? Yeah, we actually have two questions today, and we've kind of alluded to them in the last podcast, uh, but someone forgot to re- – didn't know how to record, I guess. Uh, no. <laughs> um, all right, so the first question is kind of just a general question. Who makes the college football playoff this year? All right. So. Going to go, we're going to go broad. We'll stretch out the, uh, spectrum of our conversation a little bit. Um, so as of now in the AP top 25, you have Alabama at one, Penn State at two, Georgia at three, TCU four. I think TCU drops out of that at some point if not when they lose to Oklahoma later in the year um, at some other points. They also have Oklahoma State this year, who's very tough. I don't think TCU wins both of those games, so I think they drop out of the top four. I think Alabama stays at one for the remainder of the year. I think Penn State has a very good shot to stay at two and win out, win the Big Ten. When we were kind of talking about this earlier, your thought was Georgia is going to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. And I don't see Georgia's that. gonna run the table. That would be interesting. I don't see that happening. However, I don't really see any other game on the schedule that Georgia has the possibility to lose. So I think they, they could always lose all uh, Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl is always up for grabs, even though Auburn isn't as good as they were supposed to be this year. They're still twenty second, first in the country. So you're saying you're saying Alabama could lose to Auburn in the Iron Bowl? Yeah. Okay. I don't think Georgia could lose. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was saying. I don't see Georgia dropping a game before the SEC championship, but I I do unless think... unless the Florida Florida they could, in Jacksonville, the world's largest cocktail party. Georgia always never shows up for that, so you you could see a surprise there. I'm not okay. saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying if it does happen, credit me with telling you it was going to happen. Everyone. I mean, you always tell me when I'm wrong. So, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I think Georgia wins out and they take either the three or the four spot. I think Penn state wins out. I think TCU is going to be the one that loses and your next four teams then are Wisconsin at five, currently Ohio state at six, Clemson at seven, Miami at eight. I think because Wisconsin and Ohio state do not play this year. No, they do not. So I don't see a game on this schedule that Wisconsin loses, other than maybe Michigan? Big Ten Championship. Big Ten Championship. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. So they Iowa makes the Big Ten Championship. Oh, that kind of throws a wrench in it, doesn't it? All right. Yep. It's yeah. all, it's all. It, so so this is the interesting thing about this year. If it were to start, if, it, if we were to play the season out, TCU loses, that would mean there's only two conferences in the national championship, which would then bring up the question of, do we go to eight teams for a playoff? Because there's only there would only be two conferences. It would be two in the from the Big Ten, two from SEC, and and I mean obviously those are those are the two most dominant conferences in college football right now. I mean sure. just because of what Alabama's done, and 
and obviously, you know, the Big Ten, they're top heavy as heck too, but they're just, they're, they're dominant this season. So it'll be interesting. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Alabama one, Penn State two, Georgia at three or four. And then I think Wisconsin wins out until the Big Ten championship and then loses to Penn State. And for that reason, I think they're going to jump a couple spots and then when they lose, get knocked back down to five. Ohio State is going to lose to Penn State, I think. So that keeps them out of the playoff. Your next two teams yeah. are Clemson and Miami. I don't think Clemson stays in their current position for long because their quarterback's hurt, and that's a big shot. To yeah. Um, but at the same time, Miami has a hard schedule to end the season, too. They yes. play a better Syracuse team than they play Virginia Tech and then Notre Dame. Yes. So, so yeah, Miami I don't think has... either ACC team is going to make it. No. I mean, Miami's a good team, but I think they stumble at some point. And that keeps them out of the playoff. So that leaves Oklahoma at nine, and I think they have a really good shot to win out. Yeah, so it's gonna I, be hard. Yeah, I'm gonna so I'm gonna <laughs> go so I'm gonna go Oklahoma in either the three or four spot along with Georgia. So you want me to read you Oklahoma's schedule, their final schedule go for at it. Kansas at Kansas State, mm-hmm. uh, hosting Texas Tech mm-hmm. at Oklahoma State number ten, then hosting number four TCU, then at Kansas, then hosting number twenty three West Virginia. And then the Big Ten, Big Twelve championship game. Yeah, if I they went out, if they went out, they deserve to be in it. There's, there's no doubt they deserve it. Um, and I think they still do. I think they're still, I think they're better than Ohio State. They just, they proved it. I don't think Wisconsin is is as good as everyone thinks they are. Like you say, it's going to be interesting because I think there will be one a one loss team or maybe two one loss teams in this in this playoff. The only teams that I don't, there's going to be one SEC team that's probably undefeated. That's what I'm going to have to say. Because I think I, my personal belief is George is going to make the national championship. Like, they're going to go all the way. They're going to win it. It's going to be their year. So I think it's going to go Georgia. Penn State's going to lose but still win the championship. So I think Penn State's going to still make the champion or make the college football playoff. So I think Georgia at one. You're going to have Oklahoma at number two. Okay. You have Penn State at three. Alabama at four. Okay. I mean, we, we disagree a little bit. This is just, this is, Definitely a little bit different than what we've seen in the past couple of years. And, you know, part of me hopes we see some diversity in terms of the conferences represented. So, yeah, I don't know. If we can get one team from three different conferences, I'll, I'll be relatively happy. And for the record, I'm totally in favor of expanding to eight teams because then I think that gives a, a much better shot of getting a G5 team into it at some point, And it's more football to watch. So as a fan, I'm totally, yeah, I'm totally, it, it, it probably, it probably like, they probably take kind of like a similar path as like the FCS, which would happen then. What would happen then is less bowl games. So we have to expect okay. that. I mean, I'm okay with less bowl games, but that's just me. Cause yeah, there's too many. Yeah. There's bar, there are way it's, too it's, many it's, and they don't really mean a whole lot. I mean, it's it, granted. It's, it's fun for the student athletes getting to go to somewhere cool and getting, you know, shopping sprees or gifts or whatever and you know, getting to elongate their career by a couple of weeks. It's that part of it is cool, but as a consumer of football, the fact that there's so many and just so many of them just do not matter that much, it's you know, yeah. I could if we get I, rid of I one think or the two lowest them, bowl game should cry. be the lowest bowl game should probably be those December 23rd bowl games. That should be the first bowl game. Okay. Solely due to the fact that ODU made the Bahamas Bowl last year, which was on the twenty third. 
I mean, so. as solid reasoning as any. Um, yeah. But uh, you had one other question of the week. What was that? Yeah, and everyone, if if you hear this and you want to like chime in with your thoughts, at me on Twitter, mm-hmm. and we will tell you those later. What's your favorite food for a game day experience? For me, it's pizza because I think you need something handheld to eat, but at the same time, when you look at the other options of like chips and salsa and wings, it's a, like a little too messy. I love a chicken wing as much as anybody, but when I'm watching football, I'm usually wearing like my team's jersey or like a hoodie or you know something else that that I unfortunately paid way too much for from like the official stores and all that jazz. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to get that nice Russell Athletic jersey wet dirty. <laughs> they're not, hey, they're they're not Russell Athletic anymore. What are they? Adidas? Nike. Are they? Western, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that just happened this year. <laughs> God, those are those were some hideous jerseys. Well, they weren't hideous. Like the the color schemes are cool, but yeah, if you've ever if you've ever played football, Russell has the worst jerseys to wear. They are just so uncomfortable. They're they're just awkward to put on. It's it's interesting. It's it, they're, they're almost as bad. They're, they're uh, Under Armour's almost as bad, but not as bad because they at least look cool. Yeah, particularly awkward because Russell is based in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And they lost a sponsorship uh, deal with the college. That's right. That now. would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't, as far as designs, I didn't think they looked that bad, especially the black ones with, with, when they were with Russell and the Nike ones this year. I mean, I don't know. It's a little bit of a cleaner look, but at the same time, it's like almost like boring. You know what I mean? There's like nothing really going Yeah, on. but you know how much more recruiting you're going to get just because of that fact? Oh, I'm not complaining about that at all. I'm just saying. So it's like Michigan. Michigan. Michigan's going to get every recruit they want because of the fact that they are Air Jordan. Because every every kid wants like five free pairs of Air Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as somebody who wants to see the like program grow and get better recruits, and as a result, get more wins and extend up the college football ladder, as it were. I'm not mad at it. I just think. They've gone from being a premier account at Western to being kind of an afterthought with Nike. And as a result, they haven't really shown anything that's really like impressed me in terms of design yeah. or uniform combos in this first year. But, you know, as they grow, well, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, pizza. Yeah, yeah, pizza. <laughs> that Wow, that veered off pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, what about you? What's your food for game day? Buffalo chicken bit, man. You can never go around with some B- BFD. Wait, no, BCD. Yeah, BCD. <laughs> BFD is something uh, different. Yeah. Big friendly. Never mind. Never, I'm not going to say that last <laughs> of what I thought it was. Uh, yeah, BCD, Buffalo Chicken Dip. You can't go wrong, man. Cheesy, tasty, a little bit of spice, everything nice. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah, buffalo chicken dip. That's a good one. Um, especially, like, I agree with you on the cheesy aspect of it. It's probably just something of being from the Midwest, but, like, uh, I, that, like, stick to your ribs, like, satisfaction you get from eating something, like, super cheesy. <laughs> Diabetes, yeah. Yeah, it's, you, it's weird. When you watch sports, you have to have something that directly impedes your ability to be athletic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, we're already, we're already, this far away from being this good, so might as well just keep going. Yeah, America. Exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. All right. So that about wraps it up. Thank you guys for listening as always. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you found us there. Uh, make sure you're following at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter. Like us on Facebook as well. Um, and then, of course, read the site, underdogdynasty.com. Uh, and then follow Satchel and myself on Twitter. I am at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Satchel is at Z-I-F-F underscore 15. Once again, thank you so much for taking interest in this thing we do. Uh, Satchel, what is your sign-off line for this week? I hate to disappoint you, but rubber lips are viewed to your charm. <laughs> <laughs> Going with the Batman and Robin reference. You are probably the only one to ever do that. All right. Uh, Happy football watching, everybody. We'll see you next week.